following is a message from Living Waters Church in Elk River, Minnesota. For more information, visit livingwatersmn.org. We're currently in a series on being rooted, and we're talking about the reality of really what's going on on the inside, what's going on in the hidden places uh, is, is the most important aspect of the fruit that comes out of our lives, of the growth that we're meant to have in our Christian life. Last week we talked about the, the truth that we are meant to bear fruit, we're meant to bear good fruit, we're meant to bear a lot of fruit, and we're be- meant to bear fruit that remains and that the only way that that can happen is if we are rooted, uh, planted by the streams of living water. If we are rooted in the Spirit, in the things that, that God intends for us to be rooted in, because the fruit comes out of that. It does not come out of our own human effort. It doesn't come out of just trying harder. And so a lot of times we can focus on the outward aspects of our lives. I want to create this in my life, so I'm just going to work harder at behaving in this way. I'm just going to work harder at creating this thing. And the truth is, where that, that intention should go is in getting our roots in deeper into the things of the Lord, into who he is, into his very presence. And so that's what we're going after. Um, we also talked last week about how Trials and testing in our lives are awesome. That's why the word says that we should rejoice when we face those trials because they, um, they do two things for us. A trial or a test will prove us and it will improve us. And so when we go through a trial or a test, it's not punishment. It's not to show us what we're not doing. It actually is to prove the genuineness of our faith. It's to prove where we're rooted. It's to prove that we have that strength in us, that we can withstand because we're rooted in Christ. And then on the back end of that, we also get to see where can my roots be deeper? Where are places where I'm not fully rooted? And what an amazing thing. We talked about how trials and tests also uh, are preparation for um, the next season of fruitfulness in our lives, that oftentimes trials and tests Uh, precede promotion in our lives. They precede a deeper outpouring of of the Lord in our lives because we're going to be bearing more fruit, and so we need those deeper roots so we can carry it. So that's that's, um, last week on Rooted, uh, where we were. What I want to talk about today, though, because it is near Valentine's Day, but also because the Bible makes it really clear that one of the places, the main place, that we're meant to be rooted is in his love. And so this is not just a Valentine's Day message. This is an entire Bible message. This is our entire Christian life message. It just so happens that Valentine's Day is tomorrow. Just fair warning for anybody who didn't remember, Um, if you celebrate it or not. Can I just point out, though, for those of you that go, bah humbug, Valentine's Day is a commercial ploy, I just want to let you know that the origin of Valentine's Day was really more connected to church history than Hallmark. So we can, we can celebrate uh, that, and we can connect to the love of God in the midst of that. So, um, so here's the reality. We are, we're meant to bear fruit. We're meant to be growing. 
And one of the main things that we're meant to be growing into is a life that is fully in love with God, with everything that we are. So when Jesus was asked, and it was kind of a trick, but when Jesus was asked, what is the greatest commandment? To me, what, what I felt like he was being asked is, what is the goal? What is the goal? What should we be aiming at? And it was kind of a trick, but he responded that you would love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your strength. And that really everything else, and then love your neighbor as yourself, that everything else would flow out of that. And so when, when I'm thinking about what is the goal of the Christian life, we have all of these external things that we want to see happen. Absolutely, we want to see people evangelizing. We want to see people healed. We want to see people having healthy marriages and strong families and, and kids uh, you know, growing up in the strength of the Lord. All of that's true. But all, all of the intention really should be going after this that we would love the Lord the, our God with everything because the fruit of that will be all those other things. And so this is what I want to go after this morning, that it's the fruit um, that is what happens when we're in pursuit of that, of loving him with everything. What's really amazing is that he has demonstrated for us what that looks like by first loving us with everything. And so then we get to respond to that by reflecting back to him something that he's already given us, which we'll talk a little bit more about. But if this is our destination, that we would love God with everything we are, what we need to know is that there is one route to that place. It's not like Google Maps where you put in the destination and they go, do you want to go this route that gets you there in an hour? Or would you like to go this route that gets you there in an hour and 42 minutes? Or this route that it, it, it avoids highways? There's not more than one route to this destination. There is one route, and it's really simple. Now, sometimes when we say simple, we hear easy. Simple is not the same as easy. Simple is not the same as cheap. So there is one route to this destination that I would love the Lord my God with all my heart, with all my mind, with all my strength, that I would love God with all. The, the route is really simple, but it's costly. But it's simple. Don't we like simple? We all like simple. It's one path, it's one route, and it's this love. Abiding in that place of love, remaining in that place of love. So you can choose the route of, I tried really, really hard with my human effort, but it's a dead end. Your GPS will say, rerouting. <laughs> That's my favorite. Actually not, I hate that. It means I was not paying attention. Or I can try the route of, I feel really obligated and like it's my duty. Dead end. Or I can try the route of shame and guilt, dead end. Or I can try the route of, I see that this, this person's doing this, so I'm going to try to look more like them, dead end. There is one route, and it's that I would be fully awakened to the love of God in my life. That I would be fully connected to that love, not on a Sunday morning service when we're here together and the music is doing that thing. And you know, now we have these things called pads and they're like 
liquid love in the air coming through this little synthesizer sound. You didn't know, you thought it was the Holy Spirit. It's actually an electronic device. <laughs> so it's, it's you know, it, it, it allows us to have this awareness and to connect with the love of God. But the reality is that we can remain in that place of love without the pads. Right? So, and that's the goal, that we would remain in that place because that's the route to the, the destination that God has for us, that we would be fully in his love. Both receiving, but also as I'm growing in, in my relationship with him, that I am loving him with more of me and more of me and more of me. That's why the Bible says, be renewed in your mind. Because my mind, I'm, I'm able to love him with more of my mind because there's less going on outside of that. Did I just say there's less going on in my mind? I might have said that. That's not really what I meant. But So, so we, want to, we want to love him with everything, but we want to recognize that it's simple. It's simple. If we would just get into that place of the simplicity of his love. It's not complicated. In first, no, in 2 Corinthians, Paul says, um, I fear lest you like Eve be deceived and corrupted from the simplicity of your devotion to Christ. Something like that. Next time I'll look it up. Um, but, but he's saying, I fear, because what's happening is someone's coming in and there's telling, they're telling the Corinthians there's something else besides love. So somebody's coming in and they're preaching a different gospel that says, you need to do this and you need to do this and you need to do this. And Paul says, I fear that you're being, you're complicating it and that it's taking you away from the pure devotion in Christ. That's something that I have also had concerns about. We're not allowed to say I fear. But I've also had concerns about in the last few years that we're being distracted from the simplicity of our devotion to Christ and his devotion to us. We don't want to get distracted from that because there's one route and it's simple. And this is what's amazing about it is that we... All of our Christian life is meant to be sustained and remain in that love. Most of us would acknowledge that our Christian experience began with love. Most of us would acknowledge that we were awakened to the love of God in some way. We were awakened even for people that were presented the reality of hell and said, you know, you need to take Jesus as your Savior so that you don't go to hell there was still this aspect of being awakened by the fact that he loved me so much that he wanted to save me from that and that he paid the price. And so our, our entire Christian life was awakened by love. It was initiated by love. Most of us would agree with that. Most of us would say it was the love of God that drew me to repentance. When we are ministering to people for example, when we're doing treasure hunts, which is just where you go, you ask the Lord to give you a word for someone, and, and then you find that person probably in Walmart or, you know, wherever you go, and, and you give them a word, it's, it's this pursuit of God's love for them 
And, and the, the desire is that it would awaken them to the reality of God's love. Not like, hey, God knows what you're doing. No, it's that, ah, oh, he loves you. And that they would be awakened to that. And so we, we can acknowledge that. We, most of us would know the verse, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish. We can acknowledge that it started with love. It was always initiated by love. And not our love for God, but his love for us was that initiation. We see in 1 John 4, 9 through 10, in this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and he sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. So your journey with God, your process with God, your, your little fledgling Christian life, your little seedling began with love. It was planted in the love of God. He loved us first. <laughs> you know, um, my husband can also make that boast. We've talked before. He'll say to me, um, in the past, I'll say, I love you, and he'll say, I loved you first. <laughs> and it's true. He did love me first. I was very concerned about it not being infatuation. So he was the first one who said, I love you, to which then I responded, giving him an entire study on the difference between love and infatuation. I was really fun to court, let me tell you. And, um, and he responded with rebuttals for every single point that I made. You know what his favorite rebuttal was? One of the points I went in there is, um, love sees the other person accurately and recognizes that they have faults. Infatuation does not see that they have faults. And he wrote back, I know that you have faults. <laughs> and that's when I knew. <laughs> Anyhow, that has nothing to do with anything except the reality that he can always say, I loved you first. And then I got to be the responder to that. And, and it's true with the Lord. He loved us first. That's how it started. But here's what I want to know then. Why do we think it continues any other way? If that's the way it started, why do we then try to sustain it in any other way? Why do we sustain it with our works? Why do we sustain it with trying harder? Why do we sustain it with what things look like on the outside when the way that it was initiated was, he loved me first? So not only is our love awakened by love, not only is our life awakened by love, not only does our journey with the Lord begin with love, but it is sustained by that love. And this is where... This is where we get off. We, a lot of us will go, yes, I was awakened by the love of God. But we don't always know how to remain in that love. Many of us would say, I've even had these times throughout my, my relationship with God where I've been awakened again to deeper levels of love. I remember going through 
a time where we were having revival in the Father's love. And we were awakened to the love of the Father and the depth of the love of the Father. And he was removing every obstacle to that. And people were getting healed and set free where they could fully respond to the love of the Father. But did we remain there? Did we know how to remain in that Father's love? And then I remember um, you know, going through... Uh, International House of Prayer, we had a, a house of prayer here in Elk River, and there was this time when, when the Lord was, was um, really speaking about the bridal love, how the bridegroom loves the bride, and, and I remember being on the floor over there, <laughs> laying down, I had been on the worship team, and I was melting, I was falling apart because this, this overwhelming love was just pouring over me for the bridegroom over his bride. And I'm, I'm weeping on the floor, just going, like being overwhelmed by how much he loved me, by the fact that there would be nothing that I could do that would change that. That, that he, his affection, like we were talking about this morning, his affection is set on me. And, and I was going through these like rounds of unworthiness and, and like just fully receiving and, and just drinking it in. And I remember thinking even in that moment, is this going to stop? Am I going to be able to remain in this place of love? Because I was awakened to something. Now, I wouldn't be very effective if I was just always a melted mess of tears, although you might all think that that's actually true. But the, the reality was that, yes, that, that was that, that awakening in me, and then it's how do I remain in that? Not in the tears and the but how do I remain in the place of that revelation? So we're good at the awakening part and responding to that, but not always good at the remaining. John 15, 9. So last week we talked about some of the other verses in John 15 where it's, it's saying, I'm the vine, you're the branches, abide in me. And, and how that's why it's important that we're really rooted in him. That's what it means to abide, to be pressed into him. In 15.9, he says, as the Father has loved me, I also love you. Abide or remain in that love. He's saying this is the key to all these things that I'm praying for you. All these things that I'm saying, the Holy Spirit's coming, you're going to be one and there's going to be unity. You're going to, in the same way that the Father loved me, I'm going to, I'm going to love you and people are going to know. He's, he's, he's telling them, but here's the key. Remain in my love. Because honestly, that's what Jesus did. He said, in the same way the Father loved me, I love you. And he said, just as I remained in my Father's love, remain in me. So as Jesus was going about fulfilling the destiny that he had, his destination was still always remaining in the Father's love. That's what your destiny is. Your destiny is what happens while you're pursuing the destination of being in the Father's love. Amen. So we need to stop worrying about making all the pit stops of our destiny. <laughs> Yes, God has things for you. He's prepared works beforehand. The word tells us that. That there are things we can't ask or imagine that we're going to touch. 
But there's no route to those other than the destination of remaining in his love. So you can just focus on that. And those things will come as you do that, as you learn to listen to his voice. And because, because of love, not because of anything else, not because some preacher said, this is what you should do. You could listen to me sometimes. But if you listen to me on anything, listen to me on this, remain in his love. Find that way to connect to his love and, and to just let him pour over you. I hope this morning that you, you had an opportunity to, to feel what that feels like to be connected to that love. Because then you're aware when you're disconnected from that love. My, my husband and I recently went on a date. Some of you will relate to this. And one of the reasons we went on a date is because of this text. Some of you husbands will shudder. I feel disconnected. It's my text. And you know, for us, that is like, whoop, 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 whoop. Like the alarm goes off because we know what it feels like to be connected. And all of a sudden, I've, we felt disconnected. And my tolerance for that is like this much. <laughs> And so we realize, okay, we, we have some things we need to prioritize. We're not remaining in love with one another. We're focused on, on the output of our life. We're focused on the house and the kids and ministry and work and, you know, everything else. But we're not remaining in love so that those things can come out of the strength of that place. Our tolerance for disconnect from the love of God has to be like little. <laughs> There's nothing that I want to do disconnected from him. So we are awakened by love. We're sustained by love. In Jude 1, 17 through 21, he says, but you, beloved, this is why it's important, because we're in a season kind of like what Jude is talking about. But you, beloved, ought to remember the words that were spoken beforehand by the apostles of the Lord Jesus Christ, that they were saying to you, in the last days there will be mockers following after their own ungodly lusts. These are the ones who cause divisions, worldly-minded, devoid of the Spirit. But you, beloved, shout them down on Facebook. <laughs> no. But you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God and watch for the mercy of Jesus Christ. So last week we had something that came through the worship that the mercy of God is what's going to be remembered. And that's what we should be watching for in the midst of this as we remain in his love. That that's the key to remaining steadfast in the midst of times like this, where the worldly-minded, devoid of the Spirit, are in operation. So we are awakened by love, we're sustained by love, 
so that we can be motivated by love. Everything that God did, everything that Jesus did, was motivated by love because he was sustained by love, because he remained in love. So then his actions, the things that he did, the words that he said, were all motivated by love. Uh, First Corinthians, uh, 2 Corinthians 13 says that, you know, the whole thing about I can speak with the tongues of men and angels and I can give my body to be burned. That sounds like pretty amazing. But if I don't have love, it profits nothing. If it didn't come from that place, if it wasn't motivated by that place, it's kind of pointless. Really? That is so disappointing. I am so good at sacrifice. I am so good at doing the right things and trying to do, you know, and checking the boxes. And yeah, but if it's not motivated by love, it means nothing. If it doesn't come from that place of being not, not, not from the place of being more impressed with my love for God than his love for me, boy, that hit home this morning. I definitely have become at times more impressed with my love for God, more confident that it's my love for God that's going to see this thing happen. Remain in my love, he says. Keep yourself in my love. Don't be enamored with your own love. It's really not that great. <laughs> I'm talking to me. I never use voices like that when I'm talking to you. But, but remain in my love because that's what I need you to reflect back to me. That's what I need you. That's what, when I say, love the Lord your God with all, I know that you can't do that unless I've done that first. That's God speaking. And then you get to reflect that back to me. When I say, love one another as I have loved you, which, by the way, ups the ante from love your neighbor as yourself, that standard could be pretty low. <laughs> but he said, no, I say, love, love one another as I have loved you. The only way that's possible is if I'm so full of his love and it's motivated by that. Not just love one another, love your enemy. Love your enemy the way I loved my enemies, he says. Impossible, totally impossible, apart from being fully grounded, remaining in his love. So we're awakened by his love, we're sustained by his love, we're motivated by his love. We know we know that we're not under the law, right? We know that, that we get to um, respond to him out of love, not out of duty. What we need to recognize is that that is what he has always wanted. <laughs> it wasn't like in the Old Testament, he's like, yeah, whatever, just follow these rules, I'll count it as love. No, he always wanted that, that the things that we would respond to him in would come from that place of love. And we can be motivated by a lot of different things. We can be, we can be motivated by shame and guilt. Sometimes when we don't know any other way, 
we go, I don't know how to change this behavior in my life, in my spouse's life. And we, be, we go, I don't know, I'll flip this switch, the shame and guilt switch. Maybe it'll do something. <laughs> there are absolutely things that, that should be outputs of the Christian life. There are fruits of the Christian life that we want to see developed. But the way to get there is not shame and guilt. I remember being in, in youth and bless, bless their hearts. I, I, don't, I don't even think they were wrong. But we would have these, these skits because they really want us to evangelize because we, we need to evangelize. And so they'd have these skits where it would be the, the story about the two lines coming to the, the judgment seat and, and one was going to heaven and one was going to hell and there'd be a person there whose friend was in the other line and the friend is crying and say, why didn't you tell me? Why didn't you tell me? And we're all crying and we all come to the altar and we're going to all evangelize and, and it's good, it's right because to some degree it's connecting us with the love of God and the reality of that. But to some degree... Our motivation to evangelize would only last as long as the feeling from that moment lasted. Because it wasn't motivated out of an internal love. It was motivated out of shame and guilt. And again, if you ever were in one of those skits, I was. It's, it's awesome. It's okay. Right now, someone's writing me an email. We want that to be motivated by love. What I'm not saying is, I don't do anything I don't feel like doing. That's not what I'm saying. Do you know there's a lot of things that I am motivated to do out of love that I don't honestly feel like doing? Not that many things. Just a couple things. Just little things. But there are things that, that, that I do for love, not, not because of the feeling of it, but because something on the inside of me is responding in love. Simple, not always cheap. Right? So we're meant to be motivated by love. Right now, maybe even you're saying, I don't know if I have and I'm living in that passion for God that says, I'm loving him with all my mind, with all my strength, with all that I am. I don't know if I have that, but I will try harder. You're missing the point then. Do you know how we find that place? Do you know how we can love God with everything? We can let him love us. We can connect to that place where we just know he loves me. And, and then there's an overflow of that that comes back to him. I, there's something in me when we sing about Jesus being glorified. And, and he's, you know, we sang a little bit about it today. And, and you know, he's coming on the clouds and he's being glorified. And, and everyone's singing holy, holy, holy. And there's something in me that just lights up because there's something in me that just so desperately wants to see him glorified. And it becomes a motivation for me in the things of, of my life, in my best moments, <laughs> when I'm abiding in love. It becomes a motivation like, Jesus, I just want to see you glorified. But that doesn't come because I've worked really hard at that. It comes because he's lavished his love on me. And it causes me to respond and saying, I just want you to receive everything that you're due. <laughs> I want you to receive all, all that you're worthy of. 
because of your love for me. We're meant to be motivated by love. You know, the word says, signs and wonders will follow those that believe. What do you think the sign and the wonder is that follows a person who fully believes they're loved? I think that we're coming into a place where love is actually going to be a sign and a wonder. That, that this place of me abiding in the place where I just fully believe I'm loved. That no matter what I do, I'm loved. I had a, a moment on the altar right there <laughs> once where um, the Lord said, ask me this question. Ask me, if you never did another thing for me, would it be enough? This is what he does for me. Questions are like my love language. Ask me, if you never did another thing for me, would it be enough? And he wanted me to ask that so that he could answer it. And so I asked him, knowing the answer already, if I never did another thing for you, would it be enough? And he just washed over me with the unconditional love of knowing there's nothing else required. And I wept and laughed, and it was unattractive, I'm sure. But it, was, it, it did something on the inside of me that helped me to realize when I do things for God, it can come from that place of love. It can come from that place of just already being fully accepted. I'm not working for love. I'm working out of love. Amen. And then he said, now ask me the same question. Or I want to ask you the same question. God asked me, if I never did another thing for you, would what I've done already be enough? And I just began to weep and to pour out praise for him, like, everything you've done is enough. Everything you've done is enough. And we're, we're having this, this um, experience together of just affection and not requiring another thing. And then that kind of calmed down, and he said, but here's the deal. It's not in my nature or your nature to stop doing good for one another. And it just settled something on the inside of me that I can ask God for things because it's in his nature to want to do good and that I can continue to do things for God out of this place of love that I have for him. But not because I have to to earn his love. And that the things that he does for me isn't because he has to earn my love. <laughs> isn't because he hasn't already done enough or that he needs to prove to me or that I, I don't, I, you know, if you did this, I would know you loved me. There's a place where we can remain in, we can abide in his love apart from our external works <laughs> and really even apart from his external works. So we want to find that place not just on a Sunday morning. As we close, I'm just going to read this in Ephesians. You've probably heard it before. It has a lot of words, so let's just allow the spirit of it to speak to us. 
It's a prayer <clears throat> for us this morning. That God would grant you, this is Ephesians 3, starting with verse 16. That God would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. You just set yourself to receive this this morning. That Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. That you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and the length and the depth and the height to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. It is this, he's saying, the key to being filled with all the fullness of God is to be rooted and grounded in love. There's not another route to that. And so this morning, can we commit to being willing to be awakened by love? Whether maybe God has been pursuing you with his love for a long time and you've never truly allowed your heart to be open to it, would you be willing to be awakened by love this morning? Would you be willing to, to actually believe that he loves you unconditionally and there's nothing that you need to do? Maybe you've been going, yeah, I'll come to Jesus when I get my act together. Maybe even you know the cost of allowing God to awaken you to love. Maybe you know that when I say yes to God, I'm going to have to give up these things. Can you allow him to awaken you to love and believe that it's going to be better than all those things? <laughs> and let him take care of that. Let him just love you. Maybe you've already been awakened by love. Maybe you've had lots of times of receiving his love but you have stepped out of being sustained by his love. Can we just reposition ourselves to, to remain in his love? Can we stand back underneath the shower of his love? Can we recognize on, the, on a daily basis that one of the most important things I can do is to reconnect with his love? and to allow myself to be sustained in that place. Maybe you've tried harder to love God <laughs> rather than just pressed into the love that he has for you. Maybe it's pride. I know for me there's, there is this place of, I really want to have something to give God. I really don't want to be the receiver in this relationship. How ridiculous is that? You do. You do want to be the receiver. Amen. So can we just commit to that, that we'll press into remaining in his love? The way that Brian and I remain in love with one another is we had to prioritize time. We had to decide, let's not wait till the alarm goes off. Let's prioritize time so we can remain connected in that love. You need to do that with the Lord to be sustained by his love. And then finally, we want to be motivated by love. 
And if there's anything that you're doing that you know the motivation isn't love, if the motivation is to try to be more loved, if the motivation is shame or guilt, if the motivation is fear, if the motivation is, is um, that you just want to not be left out, <laughs> can you step back into the place of recognizing, I want everything I do to be motivated by love. I know that it's pointless if it's not. So as we close, you just hold your hands open to receive. God, we want to be people who are radical in our love for you. We believe you've even planted that seed in us, that the, the, the response to love to your love is that we want to be able to give more love back to you. But we don't want to do it in our own strength. We don't want to try to find some other route. We ask God that we would be fully rooted and grounded in your love. That not only on Sunday where we can sit and receive from you, but God, would you come uniquely to each one in their daily life in their kitchens, in their cars, in their workplaces, in their bedrooms, in their garage, at the gym. <laughs> Would you come and, and just pour your love on us? We recognize that it's your love that even sustains our love for you. So we ask that we would be the receivers of the relationship, that we would abide and remain in your love. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message. To learn more about us, please visit livingwatersmn.org. Thank you.